You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Before we dive into our episode and interview our guests today, we wanted to ask you, our listeners, for some help. We want to improve this podcast. We know you have ideas after having listened, and we would love your contribution for how to make this podcast better. Please help us out by going to reach10.org. And just on the right-hand side, there's a link into a short and simple survey to provide your ideas on how we can run this podcast even better. And if you provide us your email in that short survey, you will also be in the running for a $25 gift card. Our BYU interns are helping with this survey. So please help them out. Please help us out. We would love to hear your thoughts. Welcome back, listeners. Today we have Amanda Christensen with us again. She was on one of our first few episodes where we talked about boundaries, but she's with us again today to introduce an important topic that actually I don't know much about. And so I'm going to be doing a lot of learning. Chriselle has heard of this before. It's called EMDR. And we're going to be answering the question, how can EMDR help me? And Amanda's here today to explain it all, what it means, what it is, and how it can help us all. So Amanda, thanks for being here again. And can you go go ahead and introduce yourself? Okay, thanks for having me. I'm Amanda Christensen. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm specialized in sexual addiction and betrayal trauma. I mostly see couples, but I also own a therapy practice in Spanish Fork called Hope Therapy that has four other therapists with me. And I have two kids. I'm married and a third baby on the way. Yeah. So exciting. We're so (laughs) stoked for you. And it's so good to have you back on our podcast. Also, fun fact, she's on the board of Reach 10. So she helps guide and direct our awesome organization and we are just stoked to learn from you so welcome back um and i'm so stoked that we are talking about emdr because i feel like it's become really popular in therapy but not everyone knows what it is and who it can help so i'm really excited to learn from you more Mm -hmm. about emdr Mm-hmm. And so will you help us understand a little bit about EMDR, maybe like what it stands for is mm-hmm. an acronym and like why someone might want it? Yes. So it does sound kind of uh, mysterious <laughs> and it's hard. It's complicated to fully explain, but it stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And uh, it's a, an empirically validated treatment for trauma. That's how it was, what it was created for. But it can actually, you can use EMDR with a lot of presenting problems in therapy, like anxiety, depression, mood disorders, pretty much most things. 
but it is a trauma treatment. And what it does is really simply said, it's a past, present, and future type of protocol. So it works with past memories that still hold a charge, like a negative charge in your body and your brain. And then it works with present triggers that might be triggering from those past memories or from present stressors. And then it can also work with future, how can I deal with this similar type of situation in the future? And uh, and so hopefully after working the first two phases, past and present, then you tend to, you're able to deal with the same type of scenario in the future, but respond in a whole different way, in a healthy, grounded, present way. Love it. So to put it all together, it sounds like it does amazing things. Like it is an emotional distress Mm -hmm. uh, or it relieves emotional distress. Negative beliefs can be reformulated. Physiological arousal is reduced with triggers. So it sounds like it's an amazing type of treatment. Can you describe at all how it works or what goes on in that, in the process of that therapy? I'm just interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the eye movements is, is one part of, of the therapy. You can also use tapping. A lot of people will use little tappers that they hold in their hands, but basically the, the eye movements or the tapping is creating some bilateral stimulation, both sides of your body and brain. And that also creates dual attention. There's all sorts of different layers of how it works and why it works, but but the process is actually, it can seem intimidating to at first, but it's actually pretty simple when, once you kind of get the hang of it, but basically you're targeting some specific memories and uh, that that are linked together in memory networks, which I can explain more. And so you're talking about those memories, uh, you're, you're identifying how your body feels in reaction to those memories, belief systems that are attached to those memories, um, emotions that come up as you recall those memories. But the awesome thing about it is you, you're not reliving the memory. You actually don't even have to say any details of the memory. That's something that people are really afraid of when, when they need, when they know they need to work on trauma, but they don't really want to talk about the details because even talking about the details is traumatizing. EMDR, you don't have to say much at all. You just have to be communicating with the therapist that you're following. And so, and then you'll do sets of the eye movements or the tapping and the therapist will be guiding you through. I know it sounds miraculous because it is, it really is. <laughs> you At the beginning of, of a memory, it's hard to even talk about, sometimes hard to even get the words out to stay present, to feel it. And then once you do whatever is needed, some, some, some memories could be resolved in one session. Some will take a few sessions. Then you can hold that same memory in the present. You can recall it. You could talk about it. You could pull it up. Your body can feel it and you're having a whole different experience of calm. Um, Basically you've gone from the memory being stored maladaptively to adaptively where it can help you. And, and you just take, take whatever you need from that memory. That's going to help you in the future. 
I really love this. Um, to me, and maybe it's just because my husband works at a tech company, but it sounds a lot like just reprogramming something. Mm-hmm. And and that's, I think, really incredible because our brains like store stuff. They have memories and they ha- and, and we have neural pathways. And, and my understanding and my experience with EMDR is it can just help redirect the like the intense emotion and the different things that come on those neural pathways that is that accurate yeah yeah so the way i always think of it is i think of all these filing like a huge filing cabinet in my brain and my body and there's all these files and a lot of them are very negative like i'm not enough life is terrible no i'll never be safe things like that that could start from early memories that could be really big and traumatic, but also could just be seemingly insignificant, but they got filed in that file. And then more and more memories got filed in that file. And so now you have this big fat file of evidence to your brain and your body that you're not safe and you should panic and you shouldn't trust and, and whatever, whatever it is. And so EMDR allows that file to be opened up in a safe place and it, um, it engages the brain and body in a way that lets it be reprocessed and filed in a different file that is adaptive, meaning it's now going to help you. That's super incredible. That's amazing. Like, I agree. I think that that's a miracle that there is something that people are using so often in therapy to help reprogram or, or re reframe whatever reword you want to use <laughs> it's like just just change these negative thoughts and these negative experiences and re shift them and bring them into the light I love this so much mm-hmm. do you have to have been through like trauma or have PTSD to use this therapy no so so kind of similar to what I was saying is it's about how the memory is stored not how intense the memory was. So, and I'll see that all the time with clients that someone will come in with a really terrible story on paper. It's absolutely terrible. And, and they can, they might be able to talk through it and be okay. And, uh, and they're not reacting too much. Whereas a different client, because of the way this memory was stored, they might say something that, on paper is less, seems less, or even tiny. Like in sixth grade, nobody sat with me at lunch for the school year and I felt like I didn't belong and I felt alone. You know, we're not gonna say, oh, that's gonna qualify as PTSD, but that was a significant time in their life in sixth grade when they felt like they didn't belong. And then every experience after that that reminded them that that their body felt the same sensation. They felt similar emotions, similar beliefs. That all gets gets stored in that memory network that says, "See, you don't belong. See, you don't belong. See this example? Yeah, it's because you don't belong." And so then it becomes this strong belief. And every time it gets triggered in the present, they don't realize that all of those memories are getting triggered because they're all grouped together in that memory network. And um, so it can be so freeing to free up some of that space there. Yeah, I think our minds are so good at what they do to make things easier on our lives that they just file things away without our even noticing. 
Mm -hmm. right? So I think so many people would think, oh, I don't have that much junk in my life that I went through, but no, like you won't really notice it until it really, you know, affects your life and comes up with some triggering moments. Maybe Mm -hmm. it happens once in a blue moon, but if it sounds like if we work through these uh, stored memories through EMDR, we can once again, reprogram our brains in in ways that we didn't think were quite needed at the time, but will really help us uh, for the future. Yeah. And, And so sometimes when, when you come into therapy, you don't always know exactly, you don't need to know what memories you need to work on that. That's where the therapist will help you. And it's also not about um, digging and digging and trying to find traumatic memories. That's not the point either. It's Mm -hmm. not trying to change the memory. Although a lot of times the perception of the memory does change where, you know, at the beginning of the session, literally it could be so traumatic. I hate thinking about that. Every time I think about that, I get sick to my stomach and I want to throw up and I, you know, I can see their posture They're they they can become a totally different person by the end of the session where now I can talk about the exact same memory, but I'm experiencing it differently now. So the memory didn't change, stayed the same. We can't change the memory. That would be nice. I always say, I wish I had something that could change, change those things, but really I don't because, because they learn from it. They learn, wow. Okay. I can keep myself safe now or look at what I've learned. And there's all this growth that happens. That's really amazing. I think, yeah, I just get that word miracle just keeps coming to mind. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example? You kind of hinted at like that example from sixth grade. And I I think that's such a good example. Like it can be something, it could be like someone looked at you wrong one day and then you just felt anxious and you store everything that made you feel that way in that file, right? Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of what that looks like when it does get reframed? And it can be a different example. It doesn't have to be either of those examples. Yeah. So with an example of maybe let's say a couple going through a pornography issue or betrayal, um, unwanted sexual behavior, those that can be trauma, that is traumatizing. Um, and it's also that person is experiencing that and that the way they experience that is also informed by the rest of their life too. So, you know, say you experience some betrayal at 30 years old and that's significant enough to cause major trauma. Well, you also have 30 years of memories and, uh, files, like we said, that, (laughs) That could be maladaptive. So there's a lot to work with right there. But so one example would be for a betrayed partner, whenever she thinks of her wedding day, she's recently found out that this, uh, this addiction has been going on for their whole marriage, maybe even before marriage. And so when she thinks about her wedding day, where, you know, she's just looking forward to her life and it feels like a fairy tale and everything's great. Now, when she thinks of it, it's a painful memory. It feels, it feels like betrayal. It feels like that wasn't real. And she'll have negative beliefs about herself. I'm so stupid for trusting him. Or I'm not good enough. My body's not good enough. 
she might start avoiding pictures and memories of, of her wedding. Maybe her anniversary becomes really hard and she's avoidant of it, doesn't want to accept that it's her anniversary because she's in pain, right? She might feel rage or worthlessness whenever she's reminded of that, that day. And then physically, that's what we always have to remember too, is that the body keeps the score. And so physically, her body is going to be reacting to this newly traumatic memory. Her heart hurts. She feels shame about her body. She might, yeah, just feel heavy. So that's what we start with. And then through reprocessing those eye movements and the whole process of EMDR, she can end at different beliefs. I am enough. His addiction doesn't define my worth. Okay. She remembers even the sweet moments of the wedding day. That's an amazing part of EMDR. That's not expected, but sometimes it happens where, because like Creed said, our brain just organizes. It's trying to protect us all those files are trying to protect us, like danger here, danger there, danger there, right? So it kind of zeroes in on the traumatic part of the memory, but sometimes in reprocessing, they remember other parts of the memory that were actually um, good. Like they might remember in this example, she now remembers the sweet moments of the wedding day and, and she's able to hold them and feel like they were sweet. The happiness and some of it can still feel real. And then she can mourn and feel sadness for the lack of honesty. You know, it's not like now it's a totally happy memory. That's, that's not what EMDR is about. It's now I can think about it and I've learned from it and I can mourn what I need to mourn. I can honor that loss, you know, but it doesn't, it's not igniting my body in full panic and depression, you know? So, and her body feels whole and grounded as she, as she thinks about that. That's really incredible. That's and what a great example. I think that's such a great example because one of my favorite things as a rec therapist to talk about with my clients was that the story that you tell yourself about an experience is more important than even the experience yes. itself. Mm-hmm. Right. What I love about this example is that it can help it can help you with these memories because when memories are are powerful and traumatic and or have those emotions that you're talking about, they can totally stop us from seeing everything else. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing this with us. Yeah. And and I hope I hope for for you listeners, I hope what this does is just help you feel more hope that there's tools out there that can help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can understand how this trauma and memory work with EMDR can help someone who's been betrayed with relation to pornography. But how about someone who's actually struggling with pornography, um, either an addict or just someone who uses on occasion? How does it uh, help them? Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to remember that being stuck inside of impulsive behavior or just behavior that doesn't line up with your values or you don't want to continue, but you keep doing it anyway, that experience alone is traumatizing, right? Because you're, you're betraying yourself. You're undermining all of, all of what you believe in. And, and a lot of times you turn on yourself and have all these beliefs about yourself. So similarly, um, an example for someone in that case would be, this is, I'm going to use kind of a big example, but, but like I said, it could just be 
just just be traumatizing to see pornography at a young age or parts of pornography that you weren't expecting to see, right? I would say all pornography is traumatizing, in my opinion. So, so uh, this example would be of of a man. Uh, this would be maybe something in his disclosure that he feels super shameful about stealing underwear panties from the laundromat and masturbating in the bushes. Okay. He can hardly even tell me that at the beginning. Um, he has beliefs about I'm a freak. I don't deserve love. If I did this, how could I deserve love? Um, he's just dripping in shame as he's telling it uh, or not, not even telling it, but just recalling it. As it comes into his mind, his chest gets tight, his stomach is churning, he's feeling that experience of shame, that physical experience of shame. And then through reprocessing, he could end at, I was lost and now I'm in recovery. I can change, I am worthy of love. It's like a whole different experience of that same memory. Yes, the memory is still there, but now I have different beliefs about myself. He can feel self-compassion empathy for himself, hope for himself, and his body can be calm and not having that shame reaction. Doesn't that sound, it does sound like magic. Yes. I promise. I'm not lying. It sounds amazing. And boy, I, I mean, I've done therapy before. I haven't done this, but I got to try this um, yeah. because of course I totally, I totally know that there's all this sort of trauma in all of our lives through all these little stacking of types of memories, especially for those who struggle with pornography, who had to go through this shame. I mean, I can understand that wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is awesome, amazing. And I hope everybody has the opportunity to go to their therapist and ask them about EMDR. Yeah, yeah. And you have to find a therapist who is trained in it, take special, um, special qualifications, but you can just call and say, do any of your therapists do EMDR? And they'll, they'll say yes or no. And, and to be totally honest, I was so skeptical of it. All my, all my colleagues and friends were getting trained in the MDR. And I was like, oh, that's just a catchy little fad lately. <laughs> and then I had a lot of trauma. And I thought, oh, I guess I should try this because I'm not going to get trained in it until I really believe in it. So I did a year of EMDR therapy with one of the best EMDR therapists and I'm, and I was totally sold and I had to get trained immediately. So it's awesome. so okay to be skeptical. But. <laughs> yeah. From a skeptic to a true believer, we can yeah. all get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, I, I really am so fascinated by this because I can think of a couple things in my life right now that I'm trying to reframe that I like keep hitting up against, like with my perfectionist, like mm -hmm. I can't do anything unless I'm excellent kind of thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, maybe EMDR is the answer for me. And I've heard about this for years. Right. And, and I haven't really like considered you know, it might be time, Chriselle. Yeah. <laughs> it might be time for me to try it. And yeah, and so I, I love this. I love it because it's hitting, it's like checking all the boxes rather than just, um, I love CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. But if we just tried to reframe the belief, you might not really change the body feeling. Your body's still reacting, even though you have a better belief system, you know? So I love EMDR because it checks all the boxes of the emotion, the belief systems, and the physiological arousal. That's yeah. so incredible. 
Thank you so much for sharing this with us, Amanda. I I think it's so helpful to hear from someone who actually knows about it rather than just, oh, have you tried EMDR? <laughs> like, yeah. So so thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? No, just that there's hope and and seek out help and there's no shame in it. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And it's I see it as such a blessing that this was discovered and we have tools that are right at our fingertips if we can if we can find a way to seek them out and afford it and make it work you're here to tools and using them to our advantage mm-hmm. so we can continue to find hope and healing from anything we've experienced so thank you so much amanda you're awesome thanks for thank sharing you. all of this thanks for having me thank you for listening to breaking the silence by reach 10 Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals. And the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10. And we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.